The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Did Benjamin Franklin's ghost try to build a new god? And then we take a look at the World War II mystery, the ghost blimp of San Francisco. Hundreds of witnesses watched the event, but to this day, the military still cannot explain what happened today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, that was that was kind of formal. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. Let's go ahead and get started with the episode. So for this first story, we're going to go way back in time to the magical era of the mid-1800s. Everyone's favorite era. And it's funny because the mid-1800s had this weird combination of like, people still were super superstitious. But they also had civilization butting up against everything. Mechanization, technology, all of that stuff. It really was kind of the make or break point for humanity and belief systems. So we're going back to the mid-1800s. That's us walking into a time warp. And you go, Jason, what state are we in? And I go, I don't know. I didn't put that in my notes. <laughs> so we're somewhere in the United States. Most likely the East Coast. So anyway, <laughs> we're standing there in a field, apparently. A couple houses. A dude comes out and he's like, hey, guys, what are you doing here? And we're like, that's, that's, you sound quite like the modern man. And he's like, yeah, you know, whatever. My name's John Murray Spear. And we're like, oh, that's kind of cool. You're not a serial killer, are you? Because you're using your middle name. And he's like, what's a serial killer? Uh, never mind. So... John Murray Spear was a minister turned spiritualist. Now, as a minister, he actually, you got to give him credit because he put his money where his mouth is, or was, because he's dead now, but he believed, he was anti-slavery, so that's a good belief to have. But one day when he was preaching that at a church, his parishioners didn't agree with him, and they beat him down, basically to the point of being an invalid for like two weeks. But it didn't deter him. He's like, I know what's right. I'm going to do what's right. And to be fair, we were not... Our time traveling mission was after the slavery beating. We weren't present for that. We would have done something to help him. But post-slavery beating, we're back in time. Now, in this time period, spiritualism was starting to take off. And that was kind of this weird... That was kind of this weird point in American history where talking to the dead became... The Big Fad. It started off with these two sisters. I think they were the Fox sisters. Out on the East Coast, they said that they could communicate with the spirits by knocking. And it became, and it's funny, it was really the start of the boo pill. I've talked about that on past episodes. If you want to get a woman's attention, tell her you're into ghosts and supernatural because all women like that stuff. The girls said they could communicate to the dead through this knocking thing and it became like high society where they're like if you're hosting a party why don't you have like a ghost party like everyone was doing this stuff it was super super popular and john murray spear was like yeah I'm i'm a christian minister and all that stuff but this sounds like more up my alley like i really want to get on this 
ghost talking to train. So in 1853, that was the MX. Now, it's 1853, and John Murray Spear is completely on board with this spiritualism stuff. I would It would have been awesome to go back in time to go to like some old-timey fancy dinner party, and halfway through it, the hostess comes out, and she's like, hey, we're just going to knock on stuff for the next 20 minutes. We're going to turn all the... Did they have lights back then? We're going to snuff all the candles, and we're just going to knock on tables for a while. I can just imagine a bunch of rich people sitting around having nothing better to do than to have the candles snuffed out knocking on stuff. John Murray Spear aside for a second, if I was back in time and I was invited to one of these fancy dinner parties where rich people try talking to ghosts, I would most likely start mucking about. I don't, I've, I don't fake ghost stuff. That's a part of my rule. But again, you couldn't... Could you resist if you're hanging out with Mrs. Hoytentoit and she has her, you know, all of her forks are special. Like, here's your seashell fork. Here's your lettuce fork. That's a tomato fork. All that stuff. You would just be too tempted to start messing with stuff. If she's trying to talk to a ghost, she'd be knocking on the wall. I'd be lighting little fires. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a like pyromaniac. I'd basically be Dennis the Menace of the 1800s. It's specifically only spiritual events for the rich. I guess that's kind of a limited Dennis the Menace-esque genre, but... That's what I would do. I couldn't help myself. If I was hanging out with a bunch of street urchins and they're like, I want to know if me mom still loves me. Can we knock? Can we knock to see if my mom is still around? I'd be like, yeah, little street urchin. I'd dust them off a bit. Yeah, let's see if we can legitimately contact your mom. But if I was at a fancy dinner party and they're like, we want to know who is the best dressed here, I would totally be like knocking for that hot chick. Plus, again, I'm just going to be hitting on chicks in the dark all the time. Because again, the boo pill... Every girl there is going to be totally turned on. Despite my Dennis the Menace slash Predator-esque behavior at these dinner parties, I'm just trying to set the tone. So this this is the era John Murray Spear lived in, minus me and my horrible, horrible instincts. But it was in vogue. Everyone was doing this stuff. And John Murray Spear jumps fully on board. But his intentions were far more grandiose than... Impressing people at a dinner party. No, he thought that he could actually talk to the greatest minds of the past. Which is a noble goal. Which is a noble goal. I'll give him that. So what happens is, he's like, I'm going to try to contact the smarty pants of the past. And he does. According to him, he does. And not only does he find the people in the past are more than willing to help us in the present, or his present, our future, wait, his future... Our past, his future, wait. His present, our past. This is what I'm talking about. So, not only were they willing to help the people of his presence, present of our past, but whatever, these dudes are going to help. So he contacts this group, and they just, these ghosts, these ghosts show up, and they're like, and they're all like blue outlines and stuff. I don't know. They didn't have color back then. Everything was in black and white. And Benjamin Franklin pops through this portal and he's like and he goes john murray spear i am benjamin franklin and of course you'd be like you're obviously benjamin franklin you're holding a kite and he's like yes this is my ghost kite and i am the leader of a group called the association of electric sizers and you're like whoa okay what's that he's like we are the ghosts who who try to make 
electricity, not like shoot it out of her hands, like the Emperor from Return of the Jedi and John Murray Spears like, what's that? And he's like, don't worry, you'll know when you die and you live in the future too. He goes, we want to bring humanity to a higher level. We're here to give you ideas for technology. John Murray Spears like, that's great. So there's like an association. Who else is with you? And Benjamin Franklin goes, what about my friend Thomas Jefferson? Peers out of the portal. Whoa, Thomas Jefferson. I know you. You just died like 20 years ago because we're in the past. Thomas Jefferson's like, yep. And then Benjamin Franklin goes, also, we have John Quincy Adams. And John Murray Spears would be like, what does John Quincy Adams have to do with electricity? Just forget about it. Then we have Benjamin Rush. John Murray Spears like, who the hell's that? You got Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, John Quincy Adams, and Benjamin Rush. I had to look up Benjamin Rush. He was the guy who signed the Declaration of Independence. There was a bunch of people who signed the Declaration of Independence. As far as I could tell, still nothing to do with electricity. And then the last guy to jump out of the portal was John Murray. The person John Murray Spear is named after. A little egotistical. And um, he was a minister. Again, nothing to do with electricity. We, John Murray Spear, and a little a little underwhelming as the list goes down the line. John Murray Spear's like, oh, hey, your name's John Murray. That That's coincidental. The electricizers also had other groups. One of the groups was... So here's your choices. You can summon the ghosts of the dead, the greatest minds possible. You can get a badass group named the electricizers. You can get the elementizers. It's pretty cool. Teach me stuff about elements. Teach me stuff about, you know, like gold and maybe a little alchemy. You're like, okay, what else? So you summon up, you get the governmentizers. It's kind of boring. They just show up and like lecture you. It's like civics class, but taught by ghosts. And at that class, I could see John Quincy Adams or like, Abraham Lincoln wasn't dead yet, so he wouldn't be a part of any of these groups, but you can get some people. But if like, let's say even the ghosts knew you were totally lame. They're like, oh man, I don't want to talk to this guy. Just send him to one of these two groups. These two groups are completely useless. They're a bunch of ghosts nobody hangs out with. You could summon up the healthfulizers. They just teach you about health. Pro tip, you shouldn't get tips about living healthy from dead people. Like, if you're already a ghost, you probably don't know about how to live a healthy life. Just just a little tip. And then the other one was the agriculturalizers. They just teach you how stuff grows. Like, I'm sure back then that was far more important. Because I'm not growing wheat, and back then everyone is growing wheat, so you may actually want to talk to a ghost of, like, Johnny Appleseed or something. I don't even think he was dead at this point, but you know what I mean? Like, it just, it's, it, I would be, I, I would be so upset if I finally was able to summon a cadre of the dead, and they're like, let us teach you about how nitrogen and soil, I'll be like, god damn it, dude. Anyways, so... Back to the electricizers, though, because those are the important ones. They tell John Murray Spear, listen, you're on a mission. We are here. We're going to teach humanity the power of technology. And more than that, you are going to build. No, you, John Murray Spear, are going to give birth to the new God that will usher mankind into utopia. So the electricizers gave him the plans, and I'm doing air quotes around that, for a device known as the new motive power. And the reason why I say plans in air quotes is because each session he would basically get the vision for a different piece and have to assemble it as he went along. It was super intuitive. He would basically go into these trances and talk to these people. 
Now, it should be fully noted right now that the fact that he was actually talking to Benjamin Franklin and this group, its he probably wasn't. He probably was either making it up or imagining it. It's possible he was talking to a ghost, but the thing is, is that the fact that one of the ghosts was the person he was named after is a little delusional. The fact that he was the one chosen to create this thing called the New Mode of Power, it was also known as... This is the list. This was the marketing list. The new mode of power, the physical savior, heaven's last gift to man, new creation, great spiritual revelation of the age, philosopher's stone, art of all arts, science of all sciences, the new messiah. I mean, most people talk to Charlie Charlie on a piece of paper and a pencil. This guy's believing that he's ushering in the last great age of man. And so it probably was either a scam or a delusion of grandeur. But he does go about trying to create the new mode of power. Now, he doesn't have a ton of money, but they can create a small version of the model. And at this point, he does get a a smallish group of followers. And so they build this model. They raise $2,000. And the full-size adult model of the new mode of power is going to cost $20,000. But they figure, well, this is the baby size. You have to give birth to a baby, then it grows to an adult. Like, this is basically the way that a human would develop. So he's putting it together piece by piece, and people have, there's been a few, no, there's no photographs of it, no, I don't believe there's any drawings of it from the time period, but it was basically like a giant mechanical device that sat on a desk, and it had like a pendulum in it, and they plugged it all in, there's no plugs, but I mean, they hook it all up, and then they had this woman called the New Mary, it was a full ritual. They brought in this woman called the New Mary. And to this point, nobody knows who that woman was. But so they get the device all set up. And they're like, this is what... You can see Benjamin Franklin in the background, like, giving him a thumbs up. And John Mary Spears like, thank you. Thank you. And the woman then, the New Mary, laid in front of it, legs spread open, and simulated childbirth for hours. Just like, oh, And there's just this machine sitting in front of her. And Benjamin Franklin's ghost is like, yeah, keep pushing, baby. Yeah, do it. Do it. And John Mary Spears looking over at him like, what, what, what's going on, Ben? Anyway, so after two hours, the woman gets up and then she begins caressing it like you would a baby. And there was a slight movement in the machine. And John Murray Spear is like, that's it. It's been given life through this creation of both technology and this woman acting like a mom it's been given life and then just when mankind was on the cusp the precipice of having its true god its true mechanical god the art of all art the science of all sciences a mob rushed into the building and smashed it to bits well that's what john mary spirit the most likely explanation that historians say is that it did move a little bit, and then some more time passed, a couple days, a couple weeks, and it was just a piece of metal and wood sitting on a desk. And John Murray Spear realized that it just didn't work, and that it was all just kind of a waste of time and money, and they locked it up in a closet or threw it into a swamp. That's the most likely. There's been no proof that a mob destroyed the machine. That was the story that was going around at the time. But there's actually no proof of that. The only thing we know is that it was built and then it went missing. And before you go into the conspiracy thing, like maybe it's missing because it got big and started walking around the city. No, John Murray Spear after that, just he never really mentioned it again and just ended up becoming an author. Yeah, that's the story of the new mode of power. Quite anticlimactic, I know. 
It would have been much more interesting if on the verge of life, the ignorant masses of America smashed it to bits. We smashed it good with our clubs. But that's not what happened. It just was a piece of junk that was put together poorly, and John Murray Spear was probably just daydreaming the whole thing, or he wasn't following the direction. I give him the benefit of the doubt, he wasn't following the directions correctly, and it didn't work. You know, it's really one of those things that if I was just hanging out, and I started getting messages from ghosts, Benjamin Franklin's ghost, Optimus Prime's ghost, whatever, and they started telling me to build something or to do something, I wouldn't do it. Because one, I'd think I was crazy. And then two, I'd think, well, you're a ghost, you do it. If you're so powerful that you can float around and appear in my living room and transcend space and time, you do it. I'm not going to do it. Because if I do it, I'm going to be a lunatic. I'm probably going to be locked up or I'll be in the history books. I'll have a Wikipedia page about some stupid machine I built. Or, or, I, or I guess it works, and I change humanity forever, but you do it, man. You're the ghost. Go possess somebody. Go possess, like, a homeless person. That's a little cold, but I don't know why they're more prone to possession. Go possess somebody. Have them build it. I'm not building it. I got a podcast to record, dude. What if a ghost told me to record this podcast, and then I forgot? Kind of weird. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move on to our next story. Our next story, our last story, is the story of the ghost blimp. I actually just found out about the ghost blimp a couple days ago. Really bizarre story. And when you first, it's it's a sensational title. So you're like, oh, you know, they probably saw like a cloud in the sky and the Navy was like, oh, what's that? And then it disappeared and they're like, let's put that in the history books forever for people to ponder. This is a legitimate mystery. To this day, they still don't know what happened. So now we're in 1942. It's World War II. We're in San Francisco. People are like, ah, Japanese may bomb us at any point. They did attack the coast a couple times. They attacked down in L.A. during Before the Battle of L.A., the uh, submarines were launching shells. Japanese submarines were launching shells at an oil refinery. We had a submarine appear off the coast up here in Portland. So there was that threat. So it's August 16th, 1942. And you got these two young men... They're blimp pilots. You know what? Okay, you know what? It's funny because you think about this. It's 1942. All the all the dudes are wearing their little uniforms. And all the like hot chicks and those like dresses that made them look like super thin. That kind of flared out. You got that. I guess that's more like disco music. But you know what I mean? You got that in the mood song. That's okay. Whatever. You have. It's not ragtime, but it's like that. It's like crappier jazz music playing all the time. Big band, whatever. So you have like these hot chicks, you have these young men in their uniforms, and they're at a bar. And the girls are like, ooh, look at them. Look at them hot servicemen. And the servicemen are like, yeah, we're in the Air Force. And the girls are like, ooh, do you fly? And they're like, yeah, we fly. Me and my buddy here, we fly. They're like, ooh, can we go on a flight with you? And they're like, yeah, sure. The blimp, the blimp going 10 miles an hour over the city. The two women completely bored. How? I get it. I get it. I think most people join the military for one of two reasons. To serve their country or to pick up chicks. And those are both noble reasons. But you join the Air Force, you want to fly a Mustang. You blowing stuff up. Not a blimp. Not a blimp. Not the slowest air vehicle ever made. The only thing slower than a blimp is a kite. And to be fair, kites can make better turns. You're in a blimp. Like, yes, you're in the Air Force. You got a snazzy uniform. This new model. 
We can travel at the speed of wind. Oh my god, that's amazing. I, will, will it hold up? Yeah, it'll hold up, gentlemen. Just be careful. Wear your seatbelt. So anyways, I'd like to say flying a blimp is better than nothing, but I don't know if that's true. So these two dudes are flying around in a blimp in San Francisco, and they see oil on the surface of the water out in the bay. And they go, that might be a sub. That might actually be a Japanese sub hiding underwater. Now, apparently that happened back then. For whatever reason, subs would either have to leak oil out or would sometimes accidentally leak oil out. I wasn't too for sure on the research. It seems like that kind of defeats the purpose of being underwater if oil shoots to the surface. But anyways, so this blimp goes over the oil. And there was multiple witnesses to this. Two men are on the blimp. It's a, it's a crew of two. And they radio into headquarters, hey, we see oil on the water. We're going to go see if there's a sub down there. So the blimp <laughs> goes out there and they're talking. They're like, man, I wonder why those girls, I wonder why those girls left so quickly last night. They're like, I don't know. They were on the blimp. It's totally awesome. We've, we flew around San Francisco. It only took three days to get from one end to the other. But anyway, so it lowers itself to 30 feet above the water. So that's super, super close. Now there was a Navy ship out in the bay. And there was a fishing boat in the bay. And the dude on the, the people on the Navy ship were looking because they're thinking there might be a sub there and we have to be ready for something. The witnesses on the fishing boat, they one of them broke out their binoculars and was watching the whole event just because it's a sightseeing. This is a military blimp and you see it hovering over a point near you and then it goes to 30 feet above the water. And the guy's watching with the binoculars, so people are watching from the ship. And then the blimp throws out ballast, which allows it to rise again and it flies away. People are like, oh, okay. You know, They just saw it lower, sit there for a while, and then drop the ballast and fly up. So a short time later, the blimp floats by the Golden Gate Bridge. And again, hundreds of witnesses. You got people driving down the road. You got people in the city. You got people on the other side of the bridge in Marin County watching this blimp fly by. It then raises itself to 2,000 feet, which is actually getting dangerously high for a blimp. And it should have kicked in a safety mechanism to start to lower it. And people, now obviously a normal person isn't going to be like, whoa, look at how high that is. That's actually quite dangerous. But when people were describing the event to the Navy later on, they were saying how high it was. And the Navy officers would be like, hmm, that's kind of weird. It shouldn't go that high. And at this point, it started to look bent or damaged. The blimp didn't look normal it wasn't a big old inflated blimp it just started to people started to notice some deformation in the in in the blimp itself but it's still just kind of flying by now people at this point you know again it's a sight it's you're used to seeing stuff like that in the area but it's still weird because this blimp is kind of flying in areas where it normally wouldn't people are breaking out their binoculars there are people in the blimp in the cabin it's flying by three hours later it comes by this beach in San Francisco. It's way off course of where it should be at this point. And it hasn't had any radio contact since it said, we think there's a submarine underwater. We're investigating this oil spill. Complete radio silence. Blimps flying by. Now, it comes down. And people are just sitting on the beach, chilling. It crashes into the beach. And at that point, a bunch of stuff is knocked off. One of them being a depth charge which they used to drop on submarines, gets knocked off the blimp and rolls into the beach, and enough weight is knocked off the blimp that it actually gets airborne again and starts flying into the city. Now, at this point, everyone's freaking out. 
There's basically a live bomb on the beach. There's this blimp flying dangerously closer to the city. People are making phone calls on their old-timey phones saying, hey, there's something really bad's going on with this blimp. It begins then basically crashing into buildings and then finally smashing into the ground. The entire blimp (laughs) deflates. Actually made that noise, I'm assuming. And it just sat there. Now, at this point, rescue crews go out to the blimp. Now... I'm sure, I don't know what they filled blimps with back then. I don't even know what they fill blimps with now. But of course, I'm sure they were afraid of fires or, you know, really bad smells or whatever. So the firemen get out there, the police officers get out there. And they're like, clear the area, clear the area. We have to save the crew. They go and the cabin door of the blimp is open and it's completely empty. They're like, oh, everyone scratches their head at the same time. So obviously the military had investigated this. And one of the theories was, one of the theories of the, like, media, one of the, I was reading an article the other day and they're like, this man answered the riddle of the ghost blimp with one sentence. And it was on like HuffPo or BuzzFeed or some other website. And it was like, the the guy posted on Reddit about the mystery of the ghost blimp. I think they fell out. And the article was like, see how easy it's to solve this? But see, the... So that was kind of the media's attitude towards it, that it must have just been either they both fell out or one guy fell out and that was it. But the military, to this day, have never really been able to figure out what happened. Because this is the thing, the door, the safety bar to the door that leads outside and to your plummeting death, if you're in the air, was unlatched and the door was open. Two of the three life jackets were missing, but it was required for you if you were in a blimp to wear a life jacket, just in case. Again, hard to pick up chicks when you're flying around in a blimp going 10 miles an hour and you're wearing a giant life vest. But, so you'd think, well, maybe they fell out. Maybe they're wearing their life vest, the door pops open, they fall out. But there's other interesting clues. One of them, their hat was sitting on the control panel. So you think that if the thing shifted too much, everything in the place would have shifted. So if, if it shifted and knocked them both out, why would the hat be sitting there? Two, nobody saw the people with binoculars who saw it hover over the water, over the oil. Nobody saw anyone fall out of it. It raised the ballast, it floated away. When it was flying by the Golden Gate Bridge, people said there were people in it. So if they fell out, it happened sometime between after the Golden Gate Bridge and before it crashed into the beach. But what would have caused them to fall out of it? If they had bailed out, they could have radioed in. Like if one one of the theories was that one guy jumped out and the other guy jumped out to save him but didn't radio it in. And I get it. Sometimes people make dumb decisions, but that's pretty stupid. A guy falls out of the blimp and you go, I'll save you, and you jump out of the blimp too. One of the theories is that they were captured by the Japanese, but that doesn't make sense because nobody saw that either. The official military report says, No fire, no submersion, no misconduct, and no missile struck the L-8, which was the... Designation of the blimp. A careful analysis of the evidence indicates no reason for voluntary abandonment of the airship. The board therefore believes the abandonment was involuntary. Maybe they fell out. Maybe they were taken out. Maybe they were abducted by aliens. Or maybe they simply just disappeared. Them falling out, nobody witnessed that. Them being captured by the Japanese, they had a briefcase of secret codes in the blimp that was still there so if they were abducted it's most likely that that briefcase would go missing them being abducted by aliens as 
fanciful as that is, and completely against uh, Occam's razor is that one fell out and the other one jumped, or they both fell out at the same time. But you think that that is something that the military could have said. This was an accident. We think they fell out. Because to this day, they still say 100% unknown, undetermined. They don't know what happened. Alien abduction, they just disappeared. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It's still, again, if it was something that it was flying through the fog, and then it came out of the fog and a bunch of people (laughs) people were falling out of it, then you'd say, yeah, they fell out of it. But there were so many witnesses watching it for so long, and nobody saw anything fall out of it. And people saw people in it even after the Japanese submarine part, it really makes you think, where did these guys go? Time portal? Shifted to another reality? (laughs) Alien abduction? Yes, they're all fantastical explanations. But when you run out of, they fell out. When even the military is not taking that as an answer and saying, you know, it was a horrible accident. We're retraining our people on how to deal with this stuff. We're reinforcing the doors or anything like that. They're just like, we don't know what it is. Because obviously, if stuff mechanically fails, the military doesn't want that to keep happening. If they go, hey, we think these guys fell out, so we're going to reconfigure all of our blimps so to prevent that from ever happening again. But they're like, we don't know. What happened to the crew of the ghost blimp? To be fair, it wasn't called the ghost blimp when it was flying around. I wouldn't get on that blimp. But interestingly enough, that blimp actually ended up becoming a Goodyear blimp and flew in service for another 30 years with no other major accidents. So who knows? Interesting story. I always like it when I kind of stumble across something new I've never heard of, and it just instantly intrigues me. So that's it. That is the story of L8 and the ghost blimp. So let's break this down, actually, like a conspiracy theory, because I've had to read a ton of articles like this lately. The blimp was called L8, which technically is late, as in late to live longer, or L8, as in the L stands for life, and the 8 stands for 8, like it's the life Eater? Possibly? No. None of that works, does it? I gotta stop reading all that. We've got an episode coming up where it's all nonsense like that, where each number means something. I've been reading it too much. So, a quick little thing here. I was editing the episode. Um, I have a really sensitive mic. I'm using a Neumann TLM-103, and it's a condenser mic. It picks up a lot of stuff. Now, there have been times in the past where I've been recording episodes... And it's picked up weird noises. And for the most, I'd say every single time when I'm editing it and I hear a weird noise in the background, I can identify it. It's usually a car driving by a block away. Late at night, sometimes people come roaring through in their cars. The mic's that sensitive. But when I was editing this episode, at a certain point, I get up, my heater had kicked on, and I got up to shut off my heater. And I walk away from the mic, and you can hear me kind of moving through the room. My heater's probably about eight. 10 feet away. What is that in centimeters? Like five centimeters? I get up and I walk over there and I shut my heater off. And then when I'm editing the episode, I pick up a weird noise. Now, obviously, the skeptic in me is thinking that it's either the mic vibrating as I'm walking because my $1,300 mic is attached to a $10, if that, more like a $5 folding chair and a $20 boom mic stand. I have a, this super expensive microphone, and it's hooked up to and it's hooked up to bits and pieces I got on eBay. I'm not trying to flex on you guys and saying how expensive my microphone is. I'm just trying to explain the sensitivity of the mic versus the other equipment that's holding it together. So it could have been a vibration, could have been anything. I'm gonna play the clip in full so you can hear me walk away, and then I'm gonna isolate the particular noise that is odd. I've played it at various speeds. 
I can't figure it out. So here you guys go. Just be careful. Wear your seatbelt. So anyways. <coughs> Let me go shut my heater off. I'd like to say flying a blimp is better than nothing, but I don't know. Okay, so that was the full clip for context. Some of you may have picked it up in the middle there. I'm going to go ahead and play it a few times back, the little noise isolated in the middle. I'll play it for you right now. Now, obviously, I think you can hear how sensitive the mic is. You can actually hear my feet. You can hear, like, my big, giant feet hitting the ground. You can hear the boom, boom as I'm walking, definitely when I'm playing it back-to-back. But that weird vibe, that weird noise, which is most likely some sort of vibration from the microphone, from me walking back and forth. However, I've never heard it before. It doesn't sound like anything, but it does sound like something's talking, do I think I captured an EVP? No. But I do think it's interesting. You're like, why'd you waste my time then? I do think it's interesting because it's definitely an anomaly. And I think it can kind of explain how EVPs are made. Um, it's. I mean, I guess there's a slight chance that I captured an EVP. I, I, I have talked about my apartment being haunted before, but I've been doing this show for 130 episodes, never picked up anything like that. So... Who knows, but I think it's more likely that it's vibration costs for me walking from one point of the room to the other. And I think that a lot of EVPs could also be chalked up to normal noises in a house that then our human brain is trying to assign some sort of pattern to. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode, uh, and I'm just going to play the outro right now that I recorded earlier. Have a great night, guys. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O'Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Deadrabbitradio.com